0: I'm Alex Melia, and this is Our Voices on Role Models, the podcast that provides a platform for real people to share their untold stories. In this series, we hear stories about finding guidance in the most unlikely places. If you enjoyed these episodes, share them with the people in your life. Let's get into today's episode.
1: I was absolutely stunned. His jaw dropped. He looked at me and he said, I can't believe you're here because they were so horrible to you.
0: Almost 30 years after she graduated, Tinu Cornish heard that her old high school was hosting a reunion.
1: I had not gone to any of the school's reunions, but I just thought if this is the final reunion for this school, then I should go.
0: She wanted to see her old teachers. Well, one in particular. Mr. Brown, who taught physics.
1: He was just our favourite teacher and we just loved him. I was one of his favourite pupils coming back.
0: At the reunion, Tinu spotted Mr. Brown across the hotel ballroom and made her way towards him.
1: I just really expected him to, his face to light up. And you can imagine, I was absolutely stunned. His jaw dropped. He looked at me and he said, I can't believe you're here because they were so horrible to you.
0: It was in this moment that everything Tina thought she knew about her childhood completely unravelled. And she realised that the person who was supposed to be her role model had failed to protect her. (laughs) Tina grew up in 1960s Norfolk.
1: We were completely free So you literally did go out of the house in the morning, come back when you're hungry. And so we would stay out all day. We would cycle around. We would swim in the sea. We would get up to adventures. We would, you know, steal apples. You know, totally, totally unsupervised.
0: The flip side of the coin was that Tinu didn't spend much quality time with her parents.
1: It was still part of the area where children are to be seen and not heard. You didn't talk to your parents about anything because you'd get in trouble.
0: That definitely applied to topics like race and culture.
1: We never had a single conversation about race in our family. I am of uh, dual heritage. So my uh, mother uh, was from England and my uh, father was from Nigeria. I really wasn't encouraged to bring out any of the Nigerian side. Um, of of culture. Um, I never learned to speak Yoruba. So I think we lost out a lot um, because of that.
0: At school, Tinu loved science. In fact, she was part of a group of students who all loved science.
1: Nowadays, I suppose they'd call us science nerds. We were so keen and enthusiastic and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed.
0: The best class was physics, taught by Mr Brown.
1: He actually had a full brown beard. If you've ever seen pictures of Abraham Lincoln, that's what he looked like. He very much looked like that sort of patriarch. But he um, he was an absolute laugh.
0: Mr Brown would set up experiments for the kids, bustling around the classroom and preparing the test tubes and bunsen burners.
1: And then for one reason or another, he would have to leave the room to get another bit of equipment or to adjust something. And then one of us would prank him by, you know, slightly doing something to make the whole experiment go
0: wrong. There was one time, for instance, that Tinu secretly added some washing up liquid to wreck a surface tension experiment. You'd expect most teachers, especially during that era, to dole out punishments to kids playing pranks in class, not Mr. Brown.
1: He never got angry at us doing these, you know, slightly messing up his experiments. He would just take it in in good humour. He would laugh with us. I think he was a genuinely decent person who loved teaching us.
0: Tina was the only child of colour in that little group of science lovers where she felt accepted and included in Mr. Brown's class. The same can't be said for the rest of school. The school was a huge 1960s building.
1: And there was a massive, wide, main thoroughfare corridor. You'll often see it in American films, where the sort of nerdy kid has to walk through all of the football jocks who will jostle them and call out names. Well, this was the same, but... We would be running a gauntlet of white kids who are calling out racist epitaphs. And no one did do the thing, which occasionally they do in American movies, is that one of the teachers will come out and intervene and stop it all
0: happening. There was never an intervention. The issue wasn't addressed at home either.
1: In my family, nobody talked about race. Um, nobody talked about what was happening at the school. Racism was normalised. You had all of those awful um, comedians like Bernard Manning and everybody. You had the black and white minstrel show. We would all sit round and watch that together as a family with my grandparents. They were racist and misogynistic. That was what was on telly. And everyone sat round on a Saturday night and laughed about it all. And that was the culture.
0: In this oppressive culture of silence and bigotry, Tinu didn't have any role models in tackling racism.
1: And the only person who was talking was Bob Marley in his lyrics. And that was the only thing that reached Great Yarmouth. And he was the one who was talking about racism, talking about fighting back, talking about challenging, talking about standing up for your rights. And that, that was the person who was talking. It's through that um, music.
0: Tinu didn't see any of her old school teachers until that earth-shattering reunion when she was in her mid-40s. She went to the reunion for one reason and one reason only, and that was to see Mr. Brown. His class had been a respite from the racism she endured in school. She'd expected him to be thrilled to see her, one of his favorite pupils, but his face fell.
1: He looked at me and he said, "'I can't believe you're here "'because they were so horrible to you.'"
0: Tina was gobsmacked, stunned into silence.
1: It's the moment where everything you thought you knew about something completely changes. You know, when they say you're dying, that your life flashes in front of your eyes, it's that sort of experience in in reverse where basically you sort of unwind a whole history, a whole narrative.
0: The person she thought was protecting her from racist bullies, from institutionalised neglect, had actually been turning a blind eye the whole time.
1: I suddenly realised that they all knew exactly what was going on and did nothing to stop it. What I didn't realise until that moment when he was so shocked to see me was that the teachers were aware of exactly what the children were doing and they did absolutely nothing about it. I actually called them the sort of Jimmy Savile generation. They did nothing to protect
0: children. Standing in front of Mr Brown, time seemed to stop. Tinu felt deeply hurt and abandoned. She was having this devastating realization, but there at the reunion, she brushed it off.
1: We didn't have a conversation about it, and we would have just carried on as though it, it almost didn't happen. There was no deep conversation.
0: But Tinu could see that Mr. Brown felt ashamed.
1: I think it's the equivalent of anybody who knows that they have been complicit in allowing some sort of abuse to occur. And I think that that, that, that shame. You know, it really, it just dumped out of him at that moment that he's been carrying it, that he hadn't said anything, that he hadn't done anything. What people don't understand, it's not about just about doing no harm. It's about preventing and standing up and being anti. So A lot of people go around being non-racist and think that that's fine, as long as I don't say or do anything but they're not being anti. I don't think it's as straightforward to say that people are guilty or not. The whole culture and society is designed in a way to make sure that people don't know how to be anti, because I think once they started being anti, they'd start fighting for their rights in all sorts of other ways as well.
0: Tina has dedicated her life to being anti-racist. She works as an organizational psychologist.
1: I'm interested in the science of how people think, feel and behave at work. I wanted to try and understand people. I wanted to understand my family. I wanted to understand the ways that people um, interacted with each other and I wanted to understand myself.
0: Her focus is racial equality in the workplace.
1: I work with organisations that are doing research to try and improve, making sure that more Black, Asian and ethnic minority people are engaged in what they're doing, that they're improving their experience at work, that they're helping to ensure people not only come into organisations, but once they're there, that they thrive and flourish, that they get promoted in proportionate numbers. So you could say that my whole career (laughs) really is about fighting for racial justice in our organizations
0: it took tinu a long time to make sense of that moment and her feelings towards her old teacher to reach a new understanding of all those old memories
1: that whole time that whole group was that little that safe space was quite a cherished memory and so all of that sort of cherished memory that also went as well So, you know, really quite sad and stunned, really. (laughs) He provided a safe space in that within the confines of the physics lab, no harm happened. But he didn't provide a role model as someone standing up to stop children being abused. None of them did.
0: Tinu never saw Mr. Brown again. He passed away not long after the reunion. She felt real sadness when he died.
1: If he and, you know, there was a couple of other teachers hadn't provided this safe space, then I would have had no sanctuary at all because I didn't have a sanctuary at home and I would have had no sanctuary in the school. You know, it wasn't safe in the world. It wasn't safe in the rest of the school. It wasn't safe in the family. They provided that safe space. And I loved learning and I loved science.
0: Tinu believes she may not have pursued a career in science if it wasn't for Mr Brown and the way he nurtured her talent.
1: I will always feel immense gratitude as well that they did what they could within the limits of themselves as individuals and the, the society that they were in and their understanding of what was going on.
0: We hear Tinu's deep disappointment emerge as she realizes those who should have been her role models had, in reality, let her down. Her school was generally a hostile place for people of color. But you can hear how painful it was for Tinu to realize that her potential role model, Mr. Brown, was just as complicit in her abuse as the rest of society. Tinu believed that Mr. Brown had been on her side, that he'd valued her, yet he had known all along what she had gone through and he had not protected her. These experiences have informed Tina's actions in her own life. In her work at SEA Change Consultancy, she's focused on promoting equality and inclusion. A key way of achieving this is to encourage people not only to act without prejudice themselves, but to challenge acts of discrimination from others. Only by doing this can we ensure that all who live in society are truly protected. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you want to keep in touch with the show and be the first to find out what's coming up next, go to our website, www.ourvoicespodcast.com. And if you haven't already, give us a quick follow in your favorite podcast app. See you for another incredible story next week.